Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese. This is the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. And I'm joined by, yes, the person celebrating here is our great co-host, Colleen. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. We just had a fascinating talk about Mole Man off there. (laughs) Was it fascinating? And I'm excited to keep that energy because... We have a two-parter of Detective Conan, the mysterious mole alien case. I gotta say, last week, we were all excited about mole aliens. There's no mole aliens. I know, right? So, I know we were a little hard on the title. We were kind of questioning what could this possibly be. And, like you said, no alien mole races to be seen. So, uh, I feel like we got some misinformation. Maybe a little false advertising. Yeah, it kind of makes me mad. There's nothing. There's nothing to do with aliens in this entire <laughs> story. I mean, I figured the character Ayumi talks about is an alien, but it wasn't really hyped up all that much. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. We kind of we kind of get it. So, episode one hundred and seven will start on. This is the mysterious small alien case part one. This originally aired June twenty ninth, nineteen ninety eight. And remember, the Conan tent going into this is jewelry robbers, so keep that in mind, Colleen. Yeah, I wish I had when I was watching this episode, because I, I didn't remember what the, what the Conan hint was at all. So, I went in with no hint. So, Conan starts the episode by saying, Today's topic is a bit different. Can you solve the mystery in the first part? So he's challenging you, Colleen. Did you did you wind up solving it in the first part? Oh, I solved it Kogro style. So you didn't solve it? Um, well, depends on how you look at it. I can go into my deduction later on. I <laughs> don't okay. want to spoil well, too well, much. Well, here your deduction then. Um, so the episode starts with the detective boys walking towards a vacant place to play baseball while Conan's complaining in his head about wanting to play soccer. Of course. They arrive at an apartment house construction site, and Mitsuhiko says that work was halted half a month ago. As such, they can sneak in through a damaged wall and play baseball. Conan says that the opening is from a car hitting it, as there's still paint from the car on the wall. Uh, we get this great moment where Ginta gets stuck in the wall, and he can't really get through, so they all have to pull him in. Which uh, I enjoy. I enjoy Ginta being fat. <laughs> Never was a truer statement said. They play with Mitsuhiko as the pitcher, Ayumi as the infield, Ginta as the batter, and Conan as a fielder. While playing, Conan notices a man in a nearby house looking at them with binoculars. What do you think about this creepy guy just staring at little children playing baseball? I don't know. I was getting like Sandlot vibes, although. That never happened in the movie, but like there's this neighbor who's kind of scary and they're playing baseball. So, yeah, I was uh, both intrigued and a little worried for the detective boys, gotta say. Yeah, so uh, a ball that Ginta hits flies over the fence and the kids wonder if it's if it went into the nearby house's backyard they decide to go to the house and ask if they can check for their ball, so they ring the intercom system. The house is owned by an old man named Watanuki Yoshikazu, who then walks to the gate. Gint is uh, initially very scared by the old man, 
which causes Conan to say that he may have a strong physique, but he has no backbone. Man, Conan's just pulling out daggers today. Yeah. I love how he says strong physique after we were like, oh, he's fat. <laughs> he's big boned, Colleen. He's bi- That's right. He's stocky. Conan asks for the ball, but the man asks if they're Titan elementary students and then tells them to go home. Ginto pleads for the ball, but the old man tells him that he'll contact the school if they ever play ball at the construction site again. This guy's a dick. Yeah, he is. I, uh, I feel like these guys were, the detective boys were quite brave, particularly Conan saying like, yeah, we're Titan elementary school students. I would have just run away from this guy. Well, I would hope that the like 17 year old in the group would be a little more brave than the elementary school kids. That That is true. Yeah, you re- I really got the Shinichi vibes in this uh, particular scene. Like, he's just like, okay, I'm I'm going to do the talking kind of thing. So, yeah, it was good that uh, he was there, I suppose. They bicker over the lost ball for a bit and then decide to play video games at Conan's house. Once at the detective agency, they notice a man outside that Conan shares the place to. He says that his name is Masao Kuda and that his sister Sine went missing a month ago. He says that his sister was killed by Watanuki Yoshikazu, which Conan hears and asks if that's the man that lives by the construction site. And we learn that it is. Masao says that if they had gotten into his yard, they would have found his sister's dead body. So this case gets quite interesting all of a sudden. We find out that this dickhead committed a murder, supposedly. Yeah. Um, It was kind of interesting, like, just leading up to this and the detective boys, you know, see the guy outside of the agency and you're just like okay so there's another case here besides the missing ball did you think that was the big mystery where the ball had gone well you take every piece of conan for what it is and you never know what's going to be important so that's true very (laughs) true kegger asks to hear more details and ayumi tells conan that masao looks familiar masao says that him and his sister are from saku city that his sister loved Cosmos flowers. Mitsuhiko and Genta then steal the picture that he shows, which results in them getting lumps on their heads courtesy of Kogoro. I really like seeing Kogoro punch kids that aren't Conan for once. Yeah, or that aren't even his kids. <laughs> yeah. This is just child abuse at this point. Yeah, but it all seems, like, allowable. At least, when was this filmed? In 98? I wonder if the recent Conan episodes have this much abuse so there you go allowable child abuse <laughs> in the terms of colleen i know i do <laughs> i did do not condone this she doesn't just condone it she recommends it folks no you're so gonna edit this to make me look like a bad guy no never so <laughs> misao says that his sister moved to tokyo six years ago and started working in toto certificates Last month on the 8th, she met a client alone and never returned, and the client wound up being that old man. Did you think immediately this guy did it? Um, I wasn't sure just yet. Eventually I did realize, okay, he's the only possible suspect. Um, but at first I thought maybe there was something else going on. Uh, like they... Um, at one point, I can't remember who it was now, whether it was Kogro or one of the kids, uh, just kind of 
they say that he might have made up the sisters. I was like, okay, that would have been interesting. But what's his motive there? So I was still figuring things out. Sal arrived two days later and learned about it from her office. He says that his sister left around 8 p.m. and that Watanuki's stocks had taken a deep dive. As a result, Watanuki was trying to make his sister take responsibility for the lost money. He says that on the 11th, he met Watanuki with the branch manager, and he said that his sister never arrived that night. However, Masao believes that's a lie, and that she refused to take on his payment, which caused an angry Watanuki to kill her and bury her in his yard. There's some creepy imagery, just this dead body rotting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. I, I, all, that part of the story never sat well with me, which kind of led me to believe what eventually ended up being the truth. Because I just couldn't get past, you know, somebody burying a body in their own yard. Conan asks why he believes his sister is buried inside Watanuki's yard. And he explains that it's because Watanuki doesn't have a driver's license. And that around 2 a.m. that night, a salary man named Shinichi Machida heard a shovel being used. He says road construction was going on from midnight to 3 a.m. So Watanuki took advantage of the noise to bury her. He told the police this, but since Machida was drunk, his testimony can't be used as evidence. Damn. The other Shinichi. What do you mean? Is he Shinichi? Well, his guy, this guy's name's also Shinichi. Is it? Shinichi Mochida. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. I, I thought it was. Especially later on when, um, I think it's at the very end, Ron is asking Conan, Oh, so you talked to Shinichi? And he's like, yeah, but he could have easily said, oh, yeah, I talked to this salary man. <laughs> His name was Shinichi. Jeez. Masao says that Watanuki will leave the house for two hours as he has to go to the Baker Central Hospital at 10 a.m. As such, he wants Koguro to accompany him to the house and help him find the body. Koguro says that's trespassing and that it'd be difficult to find a body buried a month ago in such a short time. An angry Masao apologizes for bothering him and then exits the room. So uh, he didn't get that help he wanted from Kogoro. Well, because he didn't offer him any money or enough money. Like there was no incentive for Kogoro, really. Yeah, he's like, if I'm going to break the law, you got to at least give me a few million yen. Come on, man. (laughs) So obviously Kogoro didn't go for it. As he leaves, Ayumi remembers what he looks like and says that he's like the mole man from Kamen Yaiba. She says that the Mole Man shakes off his comrades and tricks Kamen Yaiba by coming out of the earth suddenly. Oh, she big then, surprise. Yeah, then she's like, I wonder if that's why he wants to dig a hole. Just ignoring that he's trying to figure out like <laughs> where his dead sister is. Yeah, I love that Conan is just like, uh, I don't think that's right. Kagura tells Ron that there's just not enough evidence as the shovel sound could have just been construction. However, he'll look into it. Conan agrees with Kagura. But the rest of the detective boys are eager to look into the case. They run back to Watanuki's house the next day and find that the gate is open. They run inside but don't know where the body is buried. Genta then goes to look for a shovel. And that's when the old man appears to yell at the kids for trespassing. We then see Kogoro talking to a policeman about the case. Kogoro is told that the police couldn't help Masao as Watanuki only lost 1,500,000 yen. Which isn't the amount somebody would kill over. I disagree because I feel like Kogoro would kill over that kill <laughs> over that amount. Kogoro would kill over a beer. 
from the police's point of view, Watanuki is the only victim here as he's being still eh, as he's still being surveyed a month later. Did you ever have any sympathy for Watanuki where you're like, man, this guy's just getting blamed for stuff he didn't do? Uh, no, not really. Although, like, sympathy for him, quote-unquote, is part of my deduction. Oh. At the end of this recap. <laughs> okay. The kids all apologize to Watanuki and tell him that they snuck in to look for the ball. He tells them, surprisingly, he tells them to forget it, as he was a bit irritated the first time they met. He apologizes for shouting at them and says that he actually found their ball. He says he'll give it to them as long as they promise not to play baseball at the construction site as it's dangerous. They agree, and he goes to fetch it by his phone. Watanuki then notices a message on his answering machine and plays it back. It's the hospital saying that he has an appointment tomorrow. However, the voice is none other than Masao, so seems like a trick. What do you think about this craftiness, Colleen? Oh, it's just the beginning of the craftiness. Like, this Masao guy really uh, brought his A-game, I felt like, in this second part of the first episode. Indeed. Watanuki gets irritated and says that the message is pointless, as he already knows that. He then throws the ball to Ginta and tells them all to get out. The kids mention that he's moody and kind of wonders if a body really is there. What do you think about this guy's, like, bipolar attitude, where he just he really has a temper? Yeah, well, when he was all, I don't know, maybe sweet is too extreme of a word, but when he was actually, like, apologetic and it's like, okay, I'll go get your ball, kids. Like, I thought, okay, he's not too bad. He just maybe had, you know, a temper that day or whatnot. But, like, the fact that he just quickly turns on a dime and is this jerk again, I was like, okay, uh, all sympathy out the window for you. The next day, all the kids are back at Watanuki's house. Ginta brings a shovel as he wanted to help Masao dig, while Kenan wants to stop him from trespassing. Kenan's such a narc, right? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I, I, I found this whole trespassing bit hilarious because not only uh, do multiple characters say, oh no, that's illegal to trespass or whatnot, that's what, exactly what the detective boys ended up doing. Like, right after Kogoro didn't take the job because he said, oh, that would be illegal. What do the kids do? They go and trespass on this guy's property. After that, uh, they see Watanuki leave. Mitsuhiko's tasked with following him and then using his badge to signal when he comes back. The kids wait and then see a police car with Megari in it. Kenan hops on his skateboard in order to follow it. I like how we got to see all their... All their gadgets get used here. We got to see the badges. We got to see the skateboard. I like it when they add those into the Detective Boy episodes. Yeah. Um, were you surprised to see the skateboard? Uh, a little bit, just because it seems like it's so often ignored. So it's nice to see it actually used. Yeah, and I feel like it makes more of an appearance in the movies. I think I've said that multiple times before. So uh, I guess I forgot that it does make a, an appearance in the episodes too, so... It was kind of like a, oh, cool moment. Kogoro is also at the scene of the crime, and he learns that there was an armed robbery seven minutes ago. Megari is just very relieved when he finds out that Kogoro isn't involved, <laughs> but he's immediately informed that Masao's the perpetrator, so Kogoro knows the guy that did it. They claim that the man had stolen ten gems and then escaped to Baker Station as his motorcycle was found there. Takagi then finds one of the jewels, and the police force the train to do an emergency search. 
Were you, like, just completely shocked that this guy robbed a bank? Or robbed a jewelry store? Um, a little bit. Because, I I mean, I didn't remember this case very well, so I was like, I'm not quite sure why he's doing that. Uh, so I was just trying to follow the bouncing ball at this point. Kenneth says the mole man folded them completely and wonders why he made up the story about the sister and why he didn't wear a mask. Something seems up with how easy it was to be tracked. Kenneth then looks at a nearby manhole and finds a leaf lodged in it, meaning that someone had just recently lifted it. He then remembers there's also one at Watanuki's back door. And then Kenan figures out Masao's true intentions as the episode ends. What what did you think his intentions were? Okay, here we go. You ready for this? So in true, I'm ready. <laughs> in true Kogoro fashion, I deduce that Masao uh, robbed the jewelry store, went through the manhole, and then just as he actually did in the episode, he... <laughs> he uh buried the jewels in the yard right but the his whole motive to, for doing this was because he felt so bad for watanuki for losing all that money so he wanted to repay him and he's like oh my sister did a really crappy thing by losing all your money so i'm gonna rob this jewelry store and get your money back essentially or you can keep this jewel these jewels and get money for them so that was my deduction. So the next kind of intent is manhole. I didn't, I've never thought about this before, but the term manhole, especially if you pause, just sounds a bit nasty. Manhole. Ugh. What do you mean, Tyler? I don't. I don't know what I mean, and I don't <laughs> want to know what I mean. So Kenan says, next time a hole opens up in Takagi's manhole. Ugh. No. Yeah, the detective boys say pockets. Pockets. What if it was his manhole, Colleen? What do you think? Um. Yeah. Eh? I mean, it's yeah. Takagi, though. He gets a free yeah. pass in my book. You like Takagi's manhole? Yeah. I am not saying those words. <laughs> they'll, they'll find its way on the internet, and they'll be bad for me. Manhole. Yeah. I mean, what what's the uh, what's the alternative? If if you had to rename s- sewer cap, yeah, sewer cap. <laughs> okay, I actually like that more than the word that should not be named. Yeah, because yeah, even like, sewer cap person hole is bad. Ooh, that's ooh. that's taking you to a dark place, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, we move on to episode 108, The Mysterious Moe Alien Case Part 2. This originally aired on July 6, 1998. Kind of introduces the episode by saying that this time is the mole solution part. People's thoughts reach from the ground. Wow. He's so lame. (laughs) He's so cerebral. So after a quick... Summary of events, the episode picks up with Genta and Ayumi saying that the mole man must not be arriving. However, he comes out of the sewer cap, just like a mole man, (laughs) and then he leaps the wall into the building. The kids decide to look at what's happening as he starts to put a pole into the ground, just making all these holes everywhere. What do you think about that? This guy's just making all these holes. Um, I guess... I wasn't really sure about why he was doing it. 
it, it makes sense later on, but I just thought he was gonna because when I did eventually kind of throw my wife for when I threw away my first deduction and realized, okay, he's doing it so that they he they would have a reason to dig up the yard. Um, it made sense with the with all the holes, sort of like so he could disperse the jewels. Because if he all if he just like dug them in one place, then obviously they would just dig in that one place. So Masao uh, showing some real uh, thought here. So Conan rides back on his skateboard as Watanuki learns that he didn't have an appointment that day after all, and that the phone call was all a ruse. He rushes to a taxi, and that's when Mitsuhiko informs Genta that he's on his way. Ayumi then decides to give the mole man a warning, and Conan arrives on his skateboard. Uh, There's not much time there, and the taxi arrives, and Masao tells Watanuki that he's getting proof of what he's done. He goes to use his phone, and Watsnuki just slaps him, and slaps the phone out of his hand, which is pretty funny. And that's when Ayumi notices something shiny, and Masao says it's his sister's earring. He picks it up, but it's just a shard of glass, so he throws it away, frustrated. When this happened, we see Watsnuki, and he has this menacingly gaze to him. What do you think about this dude? Oh, that kind of cemented that he was, that he did it. He was the, the culprit, for sure. Did you get that same impression? Did you have that same impression? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no other impression to get. I mean, he's probably not thinking happy thoughts. <laughs> and his smile just comes off menacingly. Kenan tells Watanuki that he'll make the call for him, as he knows that he's going to surrender to the police. Conan then has Meguri arrive, and Masao says that he had stolen the jewels buried in Watanuki's yard, that way the police will have to dig it all up. So this was such a brilliant plan here where he stole all these jewels and then scattered them about but also made it enough holes to where they have to check each and every single section of this backyard to look for it and then potentially dig up his sister's body. Like, how how wild were you by his plan? I was wild. Like, I, I thought this was really good. I, th- th- this was such a satisfying moment from a not important character. <laughs> To the rest of the series. Yeah, especially in an anime original case, we usually don't meet characters that are this crafty. Mm-hmm, exactly. This is something that should be coming from main character. Masao then hands over the model gun that he used in the robbery. Watanuki argues with the police about them digging up his yard, but they say that it's vital, and they get a warrant to do so. And despite all of this, Watanuki still has that smile on. What did you think at this point? It's like the body must be somewhere else. He's still smiling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that overconfidence. I was like, okay, we're obviously looking in the wrong place. And it's true. The police dig up the entire backyard, and they find all the gems but no body. Watanuki praises the police digging and then tells them to turn it into a vegetable patch while they're at it. A desperate missile then jumps into the ditch, and he just starts digging with his hands for his sister's body. It's quite a sad scene. Yeah. But uh, it stays true to his title of the Mole Man. (laughs) Yep, very true. At home, Ron wonders why there wasn't a corpse, and Kogoro says there must not have been a corpse to begin with, and that it must all be in Masao's imagination. However, Conan doesn't agree, and he believes that Watanuki is the killer just due to his smile. He doesn't need any evidence. He saw the smile. Yeah. And I love that Conan was the only one who saw it, too. 
it's like one of those things that we've talked about before where Conan happens to see it, but nobody else does. And so it's kind of, it gives him the advantage, I guess. Kogoro then reveals that he's talked to some of Sine's co-workers and learned that one of her co-workers had bought Cosmos flower seeds that day and gave some to her. The very next day, the detective boys are trying to figure out where the body is, so they didn't go to the library to look at the May 5th newspaper. Other than Mitsuhiko mentioning that there was a strong east wind, they don't find anything. And uh, remember how you said, like, with Canon, you gotta pay attention to everything? Mm -hmm. Who would have thought this wind being strong would have been important yeah same like um actually this whole newspaper scene uh besides the fact that they were like oh by the way there was wind i was like okay whatever <laughs> i like the part where gento is like <sighs> he focused in on something i think it was maybe like a sail no what was it it, it was had... like a common yaiba event that's right yeah <laughs> i was just and it like was, he was looking at the last month's newspaper and they had he had actually been to the event he was getting all excited for that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so precious. I felt I really uh, related to Genta in that moment because I too, uh, sorry, no offense to newspaper readers, I can't really read a newspaper. I don't know why it doesn't appeal to me. So I'll always focus in on anything that actually is of interest to me and sort of even if that's not what we're looking at. <laughs> so I, I could really relate to Genta. <laughs> They then go to meet with Machida, the witness, who says that he was drunk, but there is no doubt that he heard the shovel to his left at the time. He recounts the situation and says that there was a strong wind that made it hard for him to light his cigarette. Conan then deducts that he actually had to turn around, which means that he was facing the other direction, and so that his left was actually the apartment complex. Boom. So now, now that Conan's figured out where the corpse is, he goes to the detective agency and he tries to tell Kogoro this and he's like, oh, whatever. He's, <laughs> Kogoro does not care. Oh, gotta love Kogoro. So what does he do? He says that Shinichi agreed with the deduction and gets them to listen as a result. He then takes them, Masao, and Megari to Watanuki's house and that's where he accuses the old man of murder. The detective boys then say that the second floor of the house will reveal everything. They go upstairs and open the window curtains to reveal the apartment complex. The body is buried there and wouldn't have been discovered for decades. Isn't However, there a the... funny bit? Uh, it might have been Koro that said he's like, what, the body's here? And Conan's like, well, it's not buried in the room or something like that. <laughs> Since the construction suddenly stopped, that meant the corpse might be found. This worried Watanuki, who has been keeping a close eye on the area ever since, so that's why he had the binoculars out that day. Makes sense. Watanuki says he has no way to enter there, but Conan explains that he used the sewers to get there with the body. He used the, uh, the sewer cap, in fact. <laughs> so Watanuki asks for proof, and Conan shows him where the corpse is buried. He says it's under the yard shrubs because you can see a cosmos flower sprouting from the seeds that she was carrying. I really love this this little part where what she was carrying around up sprouting from the ground and like it's almost like a legacy of hers living on here. Absolutely. I thought it was so poetic. Um the moment that this whole seed bit was introduced into the episode, I I knew exactly what was going to happen with it and um yeah, I just think that it's both uh, like a great kind of 
clue as to where she was buried, but also kind of, like you said, a legacy just to remember her by. Yeah, so immediately after seeing the flower, Watanuki walks over to it, and he just stomps on it, and it's never seen again. Oh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's the um, director's cut. That's what should have happened. Yeah, he he says, I'm going to stomp this flower like I stomped her. And that's how he admits to the crown. Yep, basically. <laughs> no, 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 no. So exposed, Watanuki admits to the crime and says that he didn't intend to kill her. However, he snapped when she refused to pay. After saying he was no longer doing business with her, she followed him up the stairs and grabbed his arm. He then pushed her off and she lost her balance and died hitting her head against the wall. She was a bit touchy and should have just lost the client, huh? Lose the client before you lose your life, girl. Yep. Maybe she was just desperate that day. She's... I thought you were going to go down the path of, you know, she was kind of clumsy there, falling down the stairs. Her balance isn't that great. Yeah. Clearly. So we get poetic Conan here as he says, That evening, under the cosmos flower's seedling, his little sister's corpse was discovered. Oh, okay. That's good. After the ending song, we learn that the police suspended Masao's robbery sentence due to the circumstance. And Masao then took the seedling to his hometown, where he'd say he'd grow it like his sister. So I guess it'll die when it's 26. (laughs) Because it'll lose a big contract. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez, Colleen, you're taking it darker places. (laughs) There's not much darker places than manhole. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Episode ends with Ron asking Ken where Shinichi is and Ken saying that she's scarier than the mole man. And scarier than the, the sewer cat. <laughs> of course Ron had to finish the episode by asking about Shinichi. Way to be predictable. Of course. So we uh, get the next canon's hint, which is muddy water. Great hint. <laughs> and in the next episode, Ayumi gets hit by a car. I know. So you actually watched the preview. Yeah, yeah. I saw a bit of it. So, that was shocking. Yeah, what's up with that? Unfortunately, I can't remember. (laughs) That seems kind of rude. Rude. Yeah, hopefully she doesn't end up paralyzed or anything. Yeah, that would really screw up the rest of the show. Yep. She just uh, has to continue with her duties from a hospital bed. Yeah, and in the uh, little ending sequence, Ahumi blames Genta for it, and she tells him to take responsibility. And Mitsuhiko gets mad. He goes, what have you done? And Genta's just in quite the pinch there, Colleen. Yep. Um, when in doubt, always blame Genta. That is the yeah. moral of the Detective Boys episodes. You'd think, like, you'd hit the bigger target. The fat guy. The, um, the big But that would also guy. damage your car more, so... I kind of get it. Well, That's the good thing about running over small girls. They don't leave much of a dent. <laughs> you Are you speaking from experience? No comment. <laughs> um, so you're going into the next episode thinking uh, that this person intentionally hit Ayumi. That it wasn't an accident. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. 
Do you think See, otherwise? I wasn't sure. It kind of looked like an accident. I, yeah, I think it might have been accidental. I could be wrong, it, but uh, I don't know, just the way that it was like on the side that had Ayumi kind of like twirl around or something like it. I don't know. I mean, it's we sh- the we clip shall find isn't out. long enough to really, we shall find out. So, uh, more importantly, what did you think about the mysterious Moe alien case, even though there weren't any aliens? Yeah, so besides the fact that the title was a little odd, um, I guess it made sense Well, when Ayumi explained the, the guy's name. Um, I actually thought this was a great episode. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I thought Masao was a brilliant character. Like, when he was first introduced, I was like, meh, whatever. Uh, but he was very methodical, and I thought um, that he, you know, taking by taking the law sort of in his own hands, he actually managed to uh, make a lot of progress on a case that the police were saying, like, oh, it's actually, you know, Watanuki that should be considered the victim because we keep asking him about it. So... I uh, I really like that aspect of the case. Um, I like that it was a, a Detective Boys slash Kogoro episode. I think those are always fun. Um, I found it interesting that Conan didn't use Sleeping Kogoro in this one. He relied on the the old Shinichi phone me and he deduced the case over the phone tactic. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a solid two-parter. So you're saying the Mole Man left the underground and stole your heart? Colleen? Uh, not entirely. <laughs> uh, I mean, I appreciated his plan in the end, but um, I can't say that I'll be sad to see him go. <laughs> so you still prefer Takagi's manhole? Yes. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no. <laughs> I also like the episode. Um, I now kind of dislike it for the man you know but uh other than that i thought it was a really clever two-parter i thought the story really built wonderfully because you know all the hints were there in the first episode but you don't i don't know i didn't have it figured out then but then you know you see everything pay off and why the robbery took place Uh, i thought there was good payoffs for everything that showed up so i thought it was just a really well-written case i thought the villain was like a good evil guy that you wanted to get a comeuppance to and then uh the mole man himself he's a uh, kind of rough looking but you you learn not to judge a book by its cover as he's actually a smart cool guy i kind of saw myself in him i may look like a mole man but i'm a super mole man damn it um <laughs> that's right superhero not super villain yeah so i really enjoyed that I thought it was a good episode. So, next week, we'll be back with episode 109 of Detective Conan, which is the Detective Club Pursuit Case. And we have another Gosho Oyama's short story specials, this time called The Great Detective Appears. Uh, it's also called Detective George's Many, Many Big Strategy. I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. Alternative the, title. Are you ready for the Many, Many Big Story? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. Not sure what to expect. It's about this detective that's like five inches tall. He's an unusually small man. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Um, that reminds me of, 
it might be a Canadian show now that I think about it. So you might not know. Uh, George Shrinks. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's about like a tiny teenage boy and he, he has like, I don't know, it's his adventures basically. And he has like a baby brother that's ginormous compared to him. So, yeah. So did he, did he get smaller? Or was he born small? Tell me what happened. Um, so it's never really explained in the story. So you, you just assume that he was born that way. I mean, his parents are like regular sized and so is his baby brother. So you're kind of like, was he like, is this like a Thumbelina scenario <laughs> where he comes out of a flower or something? Or was he just, yeah. So they they never go into the sort of biology or the science of it. It's just like, it's something you you have to just accept. So this had 40 episodes, quite the series. Oh, did it? Okay, I didn't even know. Yeah. Shout out to George Shrinks. Quite a few DVDs were released. Huh. So, there you go. Now that I think about it, the dad kind of looks like Kogro a bit. <laughs> you know, I got, you know, since we're talking about Canadian television, did you ever watch... The Littlest Hobo. I've seen a few episodes, yeah. That's the jam, man. I mean, it, it's before my time, but it's a dog, so... Colleen, <laughs> how is it before your time? Are you saying that you did not, you were not alive from 1963 to 1965? Um, in spirit? <laughs> no. I mean... So that, for those that... That's no excuse, because I, I watch old stuff, so I just haven't seen a lot of The Littlest Hobo. <laughs> a great show, great show. So for those of you listeners that aren't familiar with The Littlest Hobo, you're probably thinking, like, what's what's up about this homeless little person? <laughs> but no, it's not about a little person. It's about a dog, a German Shepherd, which isn't even that small of a dog. It's a pretty big dog. Yeah. But uh, he's still the littlest hobo, and he can't like be tied down to a location. Each episode, he goes somewhere, he helps somebody out. He's like a traveling lassie. He helps people out, and then he's on his way. He can't get tied down. He still has more work to do. He goes from place to place throughout Canada. Each episode, it's just it's beautiful. Oh. And he doesn't talk or anything. This is the era no, of talking no. animals. This yeah. dude's just cool, he's silent, he barks a bit. Yeah. And uh, you gotta respect it, the little Sobo. Yeah, I think Traveling Lassie is a great way to explain that. <laughs> so to stay tuned for our Littlest Hobo rewatch podcast. Yeah, and it's gonna be called soon. Big Hobos Talking. I, I mean, Big Hobos Talking? <laughs> we'll, we'll work what on What is this show? <laughs> it's our podcast name. We're not gonna name. use that title. Big hobos talking. What? Are okay. we the big hobos? I mean, it's up for discussion. It could be like a symbolic <sighs> thing. It's like, who amongst us is not a big hobo? We are hobos on this planet. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can we can work on the podcast name. Jeez, apparently we'll have to. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's better than Manhole. So, the the theme song to the show is Maybe Tomorrow. 
It's a, a complete jam. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. From the 60s? I'm sure it's a jam. But it says, maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. So if you want to join me for a while, just grab your hat. We'll travel light. That's hobo style. And then you got a little banjo solo in there. Bow, bow, <laughs> bow. So, yeah. yeah. Little hobo. That's the recommendation of today. We didn't... This episode was surprisingly short, so we'll just tack on some littlest hobo talk. That's how you keep the the listeners entertained, Colleen. That's right. <laughs> Recommend related series. Yeah, it's very close to Conan. It's like the dog. It's like Conan became a dog. Just pretend he became a dog rather than uh, getting shrunk. Yeah. I mean, and every episode is different. I don't know. Was there like a overarching storyline? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Okay. It's just a hobo, man. The dog's name was London, which is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for uh, Case Reopen this week. You can follow the show on Twitter at Case underscore Reopen. Oh, do you want to do shout outs since we have time? Shout outs. Uh, shout out to Colleen, my <laughs> favorite listener. Aw, thanks. Shout out shout to out Tyler. To, shout out to London. He's probably dead. Aw. Well, manholes. well, that was really morbid. Yeah, uh, shout out to Halifax and Nova Scotia. But uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.